Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Center. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob Biswell. Hallelujah. Father, we worship you. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you that you are indeed moving in this place. You are the way maker, God. We thank you for every promise that holds true because of your word. Your word is everlasting. Your word is everlasting. We thank you for that this morning. Father, I thank you for your word this morning as we dive into it. God, I pray for the anointing that makes preaching easy. And God, that there would be evidence that you're in the room. And when I lift my hands back after laying hands on your people, God, that it would be your handprint that's left. It would be your evidence that's left. And Father, I thank you this morning that I would communicate clearly that which is on your heart, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles, Judges chapter 6. We're back to our series on Gideon. Of course, we celebrated the resurrection last week, and that was awesome. Uh, just to see everyone gathered and enjoying themselves outside. And uh, how many of you are loving this weather after the hailstorm, of course? Did everyone make it out okay? I know our vehicles didn't, but uh, hopefully y'all are okay. Barbara, how's your head? She got caught in the hailstorm, but she's alive, right? <laughs> Headaches are gone. Lord. Okay, just bring me the handheld. Got to figure this thing out. My word. See, I used to, whoa, hello. Used to preach with a handheld all the time because that's, you know, I was told that's what real Pentecostals do. They use handhelds. And then I got used to this thing and now I don't know how to use this handheld anymore. I guess I adopted my wife's heritage. I'm a Baptocostal now. Hallelujah. All right, Judges chapter 6, verse 25. That's where we're going to be. Now on the same night, the Lord said to him, Take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly way, and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took men from his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the, many, and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. When the, when the people of the city got up early in the morning, behold, the altar Baal had been torn down and the Asherah which had been, in, been beside it had been cut down. And the second bull had been offered on the altar which it had been built. So they said to one another, who did this thing? And when they searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever will contend for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, since someone has torn down this altar. Therefore, on that day, he named Gideon Jerubbabel, Jer- Jerubel, that is to say, let Baal con- contend against him, because he had torn down his altar. What an interesting passage of Scripture, where we have Gideon tearing down the, the point of worship for the city. But you know, at some point in all of our lives, we've got to grow up, Right? 
right? We all have to grow up at some point in our lives. We have to begin to do something for God. Something for God has to commence in our lives, and we've got to begin to fulfill the destiny that God has called us to. And so after all the guidance, after supernatural encounters, the time in Gideon's life comes to grow in authority and influence. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is growing in spiritual authority and influence in our community. See, that can only happen by doing something more than attending church. I love church. How many of you love church? How many of you love being part of the church? How many of you recognize you are the church? Church doesn't exist unless you show up. I love, I was, uh, we had to take our car out to the collision center out on Highway 30. And uh, I was driving past this church and I actually really liked their sign. It says, BCS Church of Christ meets here. And I thought that's such a, a, a telling statement that, that they don't identify themselves as the church building. They identify that they, as that particular congregation, meet in that building. See, we cannot look at church as just the building. And I think that's sometimes where we miss it, is that we get so focused on the building and the assembling that we miss the reality that we are called to be the church that we are the multi-membered uh, body of Christ. And so when we're looking at Gideon's family here, we're looking that they were steeped in idolatry. The worship of Baal and Asherah, they've got two ancient gods, this Baal, this sun, uh, God demanding human sacrifice. And they've got Asherah, the god of fertility. And so uh, now it's time for Gideon to grow up. And he's in this family that is full of idolatry. He is in this family that their, their whole life centers around this place. And he's heard God. And he knows something of his calling and direction as a deliverer to his nation. But now he has to gain some experience and some faith. He's got to walk it out. See, we can have prophetic words over our lives and we can hear from God and we can have all those things. But unless we begin to walk out what God has called us to, it will all remain head knowledge and some ethereal experience that we have. But God is looking for a people to have practical outworking of their faith. And so the first place he commences his practical outworking of his faith is in his own home. See, there's a great temptation for new believers, especially those who look at their family who may not be Christians. How many of you have people in your family who are not Christians? I think we all can raise our hands there. We have people who don't serve the Lord. And there can be a great temptation to say, oh, it's too difficult, especially for young people, to remain in faith and live at home. So it's better to leave home and pursue the call of God somewhere else. But that's actually all too easy. Because God's way always starts at home. It always starts in our place. When, he, when Jesus told them that they would be witnesses, He said, first in Jerusalem the place where they lived. We are first witnesses in the place that we are called to and the place that we live. And so it, we think that sometimes it is way too easy just to, to just leave them behind, but God's way starts at home and it's the place where we learn the ways of faith and spiritual warfare and kingdom authority by surrounded by those who know us best. How many of you know our family pushes our buttons the best, right? We have people in our lives that they know just the right thing to say that will just get you raging. I'll never forget. Now, I, I was really bad to my stepdad. So, so let me preface that. I, I completely rejected him. 
But he knew how to push my buttons. And I'll remember one time, and we have a great relationship now, so Dad, if you're watching, this, this is in the past. Um, but he was taking me to church one morning, and, and he would drop me off at church, and he just was hitting every button. And he was, I, I can't remember all that he was saying, because really it was so long ago. But I just thought, I, and I looked at him and I said, I don't want to live with you anymore. It'd be easier to be a Christian outside of your house. And he said something to me in that moment. He said, then you're really not a Christian. And I said, what do you mean by that? He says, if you can't love me on my worst day, then you can't love anybody. And it was a rebuke. I mean, it really was. It was a... Oh, put the love of Jesus back on. Get it back on quick. Be a Christian again. Because that's really where we're tested the most in our walk with Christ is by those who are closest to us and those who know those little buttons, sometimes big red buttons. I think I have a big red button. It's easy to push. But see, God knows just how much pressure, persecution, etc. to put your way to help you grow into the sort of person he really wants you to be. And the result is God speaks to Gideon. Tear down the idols. Deal with the idols, the altars, and the idolatry of your father. Deal with these things. And I'm sure you'd realize that there is more than meets the eye here. See, in these in this Eastern culture that was steeped in idolatry and would have held the belief that their problems with invading the Midianites was caused by, or with the, I'm sorry, with the Midianites invading them, was caused somehow by offending the gods. So here we have Gideon's family and these people who've been invaded by the Midianites, and they would believe we've done something wrong to Baal and Asherah. And that's why they're allowed to, to invade our, our area. That's why they're allowed to attack us the way they are. And so these Altars to the gods and this regular appeasing of them via sacrifice would be seen as their only hope for rescue. So this, this is a big deal to this group of people because they need Baal. Now, now understand, they were sacrificing their children at Baal's altar in the belief that the Midianites wouldn't win. So this is a big deal about what, for what Gideon's about to do. And so the whole nation would be enraged because this meant they're in danger. Their protection is now being taken away. And worship was the whole city being enraged, you know, on seeing the altar destroyed. And so we have to understand something here that Joash was probably a priest to Baal and Asherah. And so what Gideon was asked by God to do was for a young man was horrendous. I mean, this would be the equivalent you know, and we, we see this happening in the Middle East right now. When a young, young Muslim person becomes a Christian, they stand up. That's a big deal. That brings disgrace on the whole family. And so we have this, this moment in time where Gideon is, is in this moment. And if he was ever to become a national deliverer, he needed to deal with his home issues. Because you can't one day become the national military leader of Israel and not have some credibility at home. And it's the same with us. See, I think we get it so twisted in our celebrity world is that we think that we can just all of a sudden become some popular minister or some celebrity, but we don't deal with the stuff at home. And God wants us to deal with those things. And so 
the result of this whole episode of Gideon tearing down these idols is four areas that I want to talk about that are essential for Gideon's development. Number one, he had to deal with his family. See, for me, growing up, the, the push of education was a big deal. That was a really big deal to my mom, was that I went to a four-year university, I got my degree, I went on and I became a PhD, and, and, and that was the plan that was set. And when I had this encounter with the Lord, because my life revolved around school, I mean, that was everything I did in high school revolved around school. I was taking college courses while I was in high school. I, everything was education, education, education. And then I had this encounter with the Lord where I knew at that time He was calling me in a different direction. And that was a scary conversation to have with mom because mom was like, you're going to, to, to a university. There, there's no other option. That's what you're doing. If I have to hogtie you and, and drive you to whichever school I'm dropping you off at. It was a big deal. And I had this encounter and it actually caused some huge eruptions and even some pain for my parents as they're looking at me going, you're going to do what? You're going to go pursue God in Reading and get a certificate? You're not going to college right now? What are you talking about? And eventually, my mom had her own encounter with the Lord and, and, and you know, came to, to the agreement that's what I was supposed to do. But see, I had to face it because I now had to deal with the confrontation between something new God was doing in my life and what had always been, what the norm was that, I was headed in this path, and I had to follow that path. And I could have chosen to just escape. But I, I said to my mom, because the Lord had dealt with me on humility, praise the Lord. I said, Mom, I won't pursue this if the Lord doesn't confirm it to you. I submitted in honor to her. I said, if the Lord doesn't confirm this to you, I won't do it. I, I will back away from this. I'm still under your authority. Well, then we went to a conference and this pastor called me out and said, you're supposed to go to Bethel and Reading. I mean, it was so clear. I mean, there was just, there was no denying. And my mom said, okay, I, I surrender all. But see, we can choose to escape sometimes, but I had to face it. And in that process, I learned heaps about prayer and spiritual warfare and humility and turning the other cheek. And it was all part of the growth of faith for me. And that's the way it was for Gideon, is that Gideon had to be obedient. He had to follow God in that. And what happened in this is that he gained influence with people. And that's point number two, is that as believers, we should start gaining influence with people. In our metron, in our sphere of influence, we should have influence. And again, there's much behind this, but verse 27, Amber, if you'll pull that up. I forgot to put it in my notes, so if you'll pull it up for me. Then Gideon took ten men from his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. We're going to stop right there. Note that Gideon takes ten servants. Now, this is not about Gideon one night going to ten servants and saying, hey, we're going to go tear down the, the Baal idol. You're going to do what? I mean, here, this is our protection, Gideon. What are you talking about? We're not going to tear this idol down. This is what protects us. The Midianites are already winning. If we do this, we're done for. And so Gideon had to gain some influence. These men had been controlled by the family, probably Joash. And for them to agree to go with Gideon meant putting their entire future at risk. This meant, Gideon, we're with you till death do us part. 
because they would have been killed for doing this. And so this is where it demanded that Gideon win them over, winning them over to his vision, to his convictions, to his viewpoint. And listen, a person is only a leader when there are people willing to follow. And Gideon was being developed by God as a leader. Because we, we all know the story of Gideon's 300. We've preached that time and time again. For Gideon to do that, he would have had to learn how to influence. And so there's this place where he had to gain influence and impact their hearts by the passion and vision and belief. And you're only at the equipping center, not because of Jacob. Let's make that clear. You're here because God's called you here. But you believe in the vision, win the lost and equip the saved. And yes, God set me and Anna as leaders here. But, but part of going to the next level for us is learning to work with people and influence them and gain their allegiances. And when we are in the community and when we're around people, it's about learning to win and capture their hearts because we're authentic. And the reason is for every person to grow in their calling to God is we have to say, I'm just going to start. I'm just going to start building those relationships. I'm just going to start influencing people around me. Gideon started with 10. He started with a small group. Started with this little cell group of 10. 10 people. And this is what happens is that spiritual authority and kingdom influence begins to impact your life and others' lives. And in that, point number three, we have to face our fears. And this is a big one for a lot of us, is facing our fears. Verse 27, again, Then Gideon took men from his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Now we could say, oh, this is the coward's way. He should have just boldly walked into that city square, took an axe and cut it down. Well, no, I think there was actually a little bit of wisdom to this. But you know what? He actually did what he needed to do. He faced enough fear to cut it down and to use it as a, as a burnt offering. And you know, the New Testament constantly exhorts us to not be afraid. And here's the question. How many of us have failed to do something we thought would be the right thing to do because we were afraid? I think we could all lift both hands and feet. Because that's what happens in our lives. Maybe we're afraid of friends' reactions. Maybe we're afraid of failing. Maybe we're afraid of just doing something outside the ordinary. Maybe we're afraid because we just aren't sure how to do it. I think that's where it comes with, with witnessing for a lot of us, with sharing the gospel with people, because we're just not sure how to do it, how to approach it, how to have that conversation. Well, here's the news. Everyone has the same fears. But only those who face up to those fears, push through the fear, and do what they believe is the right thing to do will grow. If you've grown stagnant, my question to you is, what are you afraid of? What is holding you back? Because I can't begin to possibly count the number of times I've been confronted to do something where there's this huge wall of fear in front of me. I'll, I remember the first time I had to do a funeral. That was scary. person didn't even go to our church. I'm talking about in town. I got this call. Uh, Pastor, would you be willing to do a funeral for someone you don't know? Uh, I don't know. And then I could tell a whole story about that funeral. I'm saying really nice things, and then all of a sudden the family starts getting up, and they say, well, you know, Pastor, we so appreciate you being really nice, but she wasn't a nice person, and we're going to tell the real story now. 
I was like, well, okay, I'll just take a seat and I'll give a short gospel message at the end and hopefully you all can forgive her. Remember the first time we went out in the neighborhood to knock on doors? We had doors slammed, we had cigarettes thrown at us. I mean, we could just go on and on. I remember the first time I stood before more than a small crowd to preach. Large auditorium, there were about a thousand people. People who invited me to preach said, now at the end of it, you have to pray for every single person that wants prayer. And we'd really like it if you'd prophesy over all of them. I was too young and ignorant to not say no in those days. So I was there till 4.30 in the morning. By the end of it, I would just say, I sat in a chair and I said, when they come by, just put my hand on them and I'll prophesy. And then I put my hand down. And then I had to preach at 8 a.m. the next morning. It was crazy. But the fear, I mean, I took that pulpit shaking as I'm looking out at this crowd. And I can't even really see him. That helped. But I'm looking at this crowd thinking, how in the world am I going to preach to a thousand people? And all of a sudden the anointing came. Praise God for the anointing. But I remember the first time I got called to help a couple in conflict. That's scary. Get in the middle of someone's marriage? Jesus, help. But we all have these fears. But see, every time the fear is faced and the event is done, something stronger, more authoritative, more significant grows within me. There comes this lesson learned in it. There comes this greater dependence on God, this recognition, I can't do it without Him. And I suspect that many who have never reached their full potential is because of some fear they could not or would not face. And that's where obedience comes in. Because in order to face your fear, you have to be obedient. And that's number four, is learning obedience. The bottom line was God had clearly spoken to Gideon. And all that was required was obedience. Even in the face of personal danger. Again, what is God looking for? What does all this come down to? He is looking for His church to walk in authority. He's looking for His church to not back down when things arise in conflict. But see, if that anointing, authority, is not submitted to God, you become abusive and self-absorbed. And I've seen that as well. I've seen people who aren't afraid of anything. And they become all about themselves. We have to recognize our dependence on God. We're just obedient to His Spirit. It's not because God has said, oh, great and mighty you are. No, great and mighty is He, and we are but His servants that serve Him. See, God is constantly testing our heart. Will we obey Him? And there's good news in that. But there comes that point of conflict. And in verse 31, this is incredible. Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will you save him? Whoever will contend for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, since someone has torn down his altar. I love that. The one who could have destroyed Gideon. His dad stood for Gideon, even though Gideon had confronted and destroyed what dad was given over to. See, this is what happens in our lives, is that when we begin to confront the things that we need to confront, we begin to be obedient to the things that God has asked us to do, God will make a way for you. He'll even use those who are steeped in it to become your protection. I'll never forget when we were in Uganda, uh, Linda was on that trip. I think Linda thought she was going to die on that trip. And Buddy was praying that she didn't die because then he'd have to kill me. 
But what ended up happening is the very people who wanted to kill us ended up surrendering their lives to Jesus. And that's what happens when we're obedient. Is that here you have Joash. Now there was obviously some supernatural element at work here because Joash, I mean, this is his life. He's in the center of the town now defending someone. Notice he doesn't say his own son. He just says someone. Haven't you ever done that when you're chastising someone else or maybe your kids? Someone took the cookies. Just trying to figure out who took the cookies. I'm sure you do that a lot, Karen, right? Someone emptied the pantry of all the snacks we just brought in. But this is, this is what happens is that God makes... Someone... Only the guilty walk away. But see, there's this thing with Gideon is that he could have been destroyed in that moment. But dad has some wisdom. And I love what Joash says. If he is a God, let him contend for himself. See, when we go the correct way into kingdom influence and authority, we have the backing of God. Your father will back you. Your father will stand behind you. And he will be your defender. You don't have to defend yourself. I believe God wants us to grow in spiritual influence and authority. I believe that's what God's calling us to. But we got to deal with these things. We got to deal with the things in our family. We got to recognize that's our first ministry. God dealt with me harshly on that a couple years ago. Your family is your first ministry. That's where we minister first. When we can learn to minister to our family first, then we can gain influence in our own home. And when our family trusts us, watch out, world. Obviously, Joash had seen the journey that Gideon had gone through. Obviously, he saw the fruit of the encounter that Gideon had had. And when we walk that out, our family will notice and will gain influence. And when we do that, then God will cause us to face our fears. God wants you to face your fears. As I close this morning, God wants you to face your fears. And in facing your fears, you walk out obedience. There is nothing that you will face that God doesn't already have an answer for. We're going to take communion this morning and celebrate the victory of what Jesus did. We're going to celebrate the victory of the price that He paid. Pastor Hector and Suzanne will bring the elements. By the way, we've heard the requests loud and clear. As soon as we run out of this box, we'll go to something else. We're almost done with this box, but we're also trying to be COVID safe. But I found another brand that uses actual matzah in the little thing instead of styrofoam hybrid bread. Well, we'll get you a box for your birthday. We want to celebrate what Jesus did. On the night he was betrayed, he took that bread and he broke it. I always break my styrofoam. 
but he broke it. So this is my body, which is broken for you. I want us to pray this morning. We've prayed for Buddy this morning, but if you need healing in your body, just receive this as we pray. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body, which bought our healing, paid for our healing in full. Father, this morning, as we take of, of this bread, we thank you that you would bring healing to our bodies, deliverance to our bodies. We thank you for that sacrifice, Jesus. We take this morning, we eat in Jesus' name. And he took a cup. This is my blood. What a shocking statement to those in that room that night. This is my blood which is poured out for you. It's my new covenant. It's a covenant I make with you. What a covenant he's made. The blood would wash away our sin. Jesus, this morning, we forgive those that we need to forgive. We ask forgiveness, God, for anything in our hearts that has distanced us from you. We thank you for your forgiveness, God. We thank you for the blood. We drink this in remembrance of you. Now this morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you're watching online this morning, you're in the room, we give you that invitation. We're going to pray in just a moment. But if you need specific prayer this morning, healing in your body, whatever you need, the altars are going to be open. But I also want to open the altars. If there's family things you need to deal with this morning, you want God to minister to you regarding that. There's fears that you need to deal with. Or if you've been disobedient, you want prayer for obedience, to help you walk in obedience invite you to come. If you've never given your heart to Jesus this morning or you want to rededicate your life, maybe you're far from God and you once knew Him, pray this prayer with me this morning. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Bring me close to You. I lay my life at Your feet. I choose to follow You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingcenter.us.